Welcome to Central Line, Leadership in Healthcare, the show that shares stories, experiences, and advice from notable and innovative leaders in healthcare. Leading in healthcare is incredibly challenging. So if you are looking to learn firsthand from nurses, physicians, administrators, and other healthcare professionals in leadership and management roles, this is the podcast for you. Hosted by Leah Wuchik, leadership development expert, executive coach, healthcare professional, and president and co-founder of Tall Trees Leadership. We talk with today's successful healthcare leaders on how they get to where they are, lessons learned along the way, and what it takes to thrive as a successful leader in healthcare. Let's get started with your host, Leah Wuchik. A registered nurse with over 25 years of nursing experience, Kathy Howe holds a nursing diploma from Mount Royal College, a baccalaureate of nursing, and a Master of Health Studies from Athabasca University. Kathy is a pediatric nurse who has focused her career on frontline leadership, working to improve the work environment for nurses and subsequently improving patient outcomes and experience. In February 2022, Kathy became the inaugural Executive Director for the Alberta Association of Nurses. Kathy's passion and energy for all nurses, the nursing profession, and the critical role nurses play in the healthcare system is evident when you meet her, and she's excited to work for you. Good afternoon, Kathy. How are you? I'm really good. How are you doing? I'm really good as well. Thanks so much for being here at Central Line Leadership in Healthcare. Maybe to kick us off today, I'd love to hear about your work and what's happening for you these days. Yeah, thanks. I think you know, but I'm a registered nurse and I have spent all of my career up until just a few months ago working in the uh, acute sector uh, frontline leadership and executive level leadership. And that's, I think, really been my my niche, my place is, is leadership. That's really what I'm about. And about six months ago, I left the acute care world and I moved over to the Alberta Association of Nurses. And this was an organization at that time that hadn't even launched. So I really in on the ground floor, really exciting stuff. And this is Alberta's first ever all-profession nursing association. And it's just been really exciting to be on the ground floor. I'm not sure I envision myself here, but coming over to this and the things that I've experienced and just really tapping into, I think, every experience I've had in my career. I'm just always taken aback how maybe something I did, you know, even in the earliest of years, it's coming back and I'm drawing on those skills now. So I'm just really enjoying it, really enjoying the opportunity to work with nurses and really get excited about the profession and, and where we're going. Beautiful. I can definitely hear the passion in your voice. And for those who maybe don't know the reasons for the creation of AAN and the history of that and how it came into being, do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, thanks. Happy to. So there were some recent legislation changes in Alberta that affected the Health Profession Act. And so all regulators 
need to divest themselves of any association type activities. So there are a number of health professions going through what nursing's going through, for example, mm-hmm. the chiropractors and physiotherapists and the social workers are all popping up associations. And in nursing, of course, there are three regulators. There's the uh, CRPNA for the psychiatric nurses, the CLPNA for the LPNs, and then what we used to know as CARNA, now CRNA for the RNs and NPs. And the LPNs and RNs did engage in some association work, but it really was CARNA who, I mean, actually had the word association right there in their title. Historically, that a bit of a place where they come from, been always regulator and association. And so they had a fair bit of work to do to divest themselves of all of their association type activities. And so they actually started in on this a few years ago, even before the legislation was proclaimed. And so rather than just dump the association side of their work, they actually were very strategic and they put together an advisory board who called for volunteers and appointed the first inaugural board. That board of volunteer nurses worked for over a year to really launch the organization. They got it incorporated and set up the bylaws and the governance documents and you know, built a website and bank accounts and all of those things that are required. The association has been very well supported by CARNA or the former CARNA in terms of resources that help support the setup and also financially. Now, the Alberta Association of Nurses is separate from CARNA, very much a separate organization. We obviously have a good relationship with them. We also have a relationship with the CLPNA and the CRPNA, with the unions, with the employers. So, we're kind of this this space in the middle. And our our goal really is to enhance and promote nursing and the nursing profession in Alberta to really be the united voice of nurses in Alberta. And when I've gone out and talked to nurses and indeed sort of what drove me here is I really felt that that piece has been missing for quite some time. And who can speak on behalf of all of the nurses in Alberta? And truly the association is the group that can do that. So that's really how we got started. We launched in May of this year, 2022. And so are just rapidly growing in terms of membership, even just people hearing about us and and starting to even understand that there is an association. So we have our work cut out for us, but we're making really good progress. It definitely sounds like it. I can hear momentum and I can also hear the excitement as well that comes from doing this. Now, you mentioned that you've been a nurse for a long time. And what would you say is the thing that drew you into nursing right from the beginning? Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of the first nurse in the family, but, you know, as a young kid, uh, some health issues and wasn't in the hospital a lot, but I remember one time when I was and the, just being so impressed by the nurses. In fact, there was one nurse in particular and she was obviously must have been on shift for most of the days when I was in and she would let me help her and I would go out and help hand out the ice water. This was a long time ago, back in days when sometimes <laughs> you're in hospital and not really very sick. I don't know if kids would ever be healthy <laughs> enough to do that now, but you know, following that nurse around, I can see her right now in my mind in her yellow pastel dress. And I just wanted to be that. And I would go, I was on sort of an adult ward. So having kids was a little bit unique. And they would let me come out and sit at the desk. And I knew right then that I wanted to be a nurse and I wanted to be the head nurse. Wow. So you knew right as a kid that you wanted to be a leader in nursing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When I went in, I, I knew that that's where I wanted to be. Throughout your career then, what did you do to maybe make that transition from, you know, clinical practice, frontline nurse into leadership? Well, you know, coming in and knowing that, I remember sitting in orientation and this was a long time ago and long before, you know, Alberta Health Services was around. And and even that, the Calgary Health Region was just being formed. But I remember sitting in orientation and they handed up this organization chart. And I remember putting my finger right on the top box and said, it's going to be me one day. And so I, I really went in with that mindset. Now I was a little bit older. I spent some years working in the oil industry. So I think I had a pretty clear vision. And so when I started nursing, even right away, I look for ways to really start to get involved. Now we had a nursing council and you had to be a nurse for two years to be on this council. And they just couldn't get volunteers. They just kept sending out the, you know, we need a volunteer. And so I finally applied and, you know, wrote in there that, you know, I've only been here six, six months, but I'm really keen. I want to be, mm-hmm. and they, they let me on. And that was really my first starting to be exposed to, you know, the management and leadership of the hospital, probably about six months in as a member of this nursing council. So, you know, it, it, I really started looking for that really early in my career and then moved a bit purposefully, you know, I was on a unit and then after a few years, you know, kind of really purposefully went to to get some critical care experience, you know, then came back into a permanent charge nurse position, then sort of moved to a, you know, my the next position, sort of on my way up to being a manager. So again, very strategic, really thinking about what it was I wanted to do. And then also align that with my education. So I graduated as one of the old diploma nurses. Uh, we were actually the last diploma class out of Montwell College. And so, you know, started on my degree and started working towards that. Uh, knowing that, you know, that was going to be an important part of that and and continue that after I graduated and, and got my first management role, you know, then I started in on my master's and just kept pursuing, you know, sort of the opportunities in the education at the same time. I'm definitely hearing how intentional you were and, and thoughtful about your career and how to move forward into leadership. So, now that you are, um, what is it about leadership that you love? You know, I've always seen as my role in leadership that uh, my job is to really facilitate so that the front line can be successful. So, you know, when, as a frontline manager, you know, that was securing, you know, the equipment they needed and the training they needed and the, the environment that, you know, they needed to be successful. And I think that's really what drives me as a leader. I really love people. And, you know, as much as I sort of enjoyed uh, sort of my own journey in leadership and healthcare, one of the things I've really enjoyed is just working with people and encouraging them along their leadership journey. And, you know, you just mentioned that when I came into nursing, I was pretty intentional about um, where I wanted to go and uh, how I thought I might get there. But one of my real joys has been at times where people have wandered into my office and said, you know, Kathy, I'm at this crossroads, you know, and uh, like my kids have just left for university or they're just, you know, they're in high school and times are changing and I've got more time to work and I'm really thinking about what's next. And, you know, I've just had some really great chats about educational opportunities and employment opportunities. And then what's been exciting is seeing people start to follow that and, uh, and, and then move into just some really great, great opportunities. And so that's been one of my real 
I think highlights of my career is, is really that mentoring and encouraging others. And sometimes that's just as simple as getting them what they need to be successful on the job. But sometimes it's really sitting down and helping them, you know, map out where am I going to go and how am I going to get there? So I think that's really where for me that, that the joy of the job comes in. Hmm. I can hear that. And you certainly bring up a good point in that uh, mentoring and support doesn't always have to be something that is some sort of grand gesture or anything like that. It could be something as simple as getting the resources. And well, maybe I shouldn't say simple, but, you know, getting the resources that are needed, the, as you said, the equipment that's needed, the, the training that's re- needed or whatnot, or even just sitting down and having a real conversation with someone. Yeah, I think you've nailed it. And I, you know, I think sometimes, particularly as nurses and in public health care, um, sometimes we're a bit too quick to accept, uh, second best and and we've got a you know it's important i think as leaders that we really help people to you know strive for the best i remember coming in and i was working um this was in the old children's hospital and uh, in the old emergency department and back uh, within the unit they had these high up desks sort of standing height desks but they had little steno chairs so they didn't have sort of bar height chairs to be at these you know bar height uh, counters they, they had these little steno chairs and um, I said, I saw that and I, so I ordered like proper chairs so they could sit and write it. And I said to one of the nurses, Hey, I, I ordered you a chair. And she's like, Oh, we don't, we don't need proper high chairs. Look. And she just kind of pulled out the steno chair and knelt on it. And then she was tall enough to <laughs> write it. I remember saying, you know what? You work hard, like 12 hour shifts and you give it all you've got and you guys do great jobs. And I think you deserve a chair that yeah. matches the seat. And I think that that helps like for them to feel valued as well, even in those simple things to say, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to use equipment held together with waterproof tape. We can send that down for repair and we can get one that actually works and is held together, you know, with the proper screws and, <laughs> and whatever else together. So I think too, even some of that, some of that instilling that pride into people. And, you know, I think when you give people the tools they need to be successful, then they take a lot of pride at that, right? And it helps them be successful. And in healthcare, you know, that's just better, um, you know, bottom line care for patients that, you know, that really comes through. Absolutely. And related to that, I mean, I think we all know how tough COVID has been for our frontline in particular. Um, Frontline's a hard job at the best of times. And, you know, COVID has made it that much more difficult. So what would you say you're seeing as maybe, um, some of the bigger challenges that are facing nurses today? Yeah, you know, I think there's been a lot of talk and I've talked lots about the challenges the frontline have had and and those staff nurses that are really right there on the units providing the care. And I'm not taking away or minimizing that. that, That's very, very true. But I think one of the things we haven't talked a lot about um, is is the frontline. And... um, uh, the frontline management and and even up to the director and executive director, senior operating officer, they have been putting in insane hours um, always, but particularly through this time of COVID. And um, one of the things, uh, if you hang around me for any length of time, you'll hear me say is that the toughest job in healthcare is truly that frontline manager. And, um, you know, you step away from the bedside and um, I used to equate it, you're kind of like that 
the school teacher, you know, when you were a kid, if you ever saw your school teacher in the mall and, you know, your, your little brain couldn't compute that, um, you know, that that was a real person. And uh, I think that happens to frontline managers that suddenly you're this manager and, and you're not part of the staff and you're not part of the, hey, let's go out, you know, Friday night or let's go see this movie because you're now management. Um, and management's a bit of a lonely place. And, and sometimes I remember, you know, you'd go for coffee on Fridays and people would be talking about what they were going to do on the weekend and nobody ever asked me. And I think that was it. I don't think they really thought about, uh, you know, what does Kathy do on weekends? And, and, um, and so I think it's a lonely place. And, and I think that, you know, it's the pinch point of healthcare. So you have all the demands from the staff. And then all the demands above you. And I think it's probably one of the most misunderstood, um, you know, positions. And I, you know, I've heard people say things like, well, if only the manager could staff, you know, properly or could try staffing, you know, earlier than just Friday afternoon for the weekend. And I just always think to myself, gosh, you just don't understand the role. And trust me, they didn't start looking on Friday afternoon. They did start looking six weeks ago. There is nobody uh, or, you know, if the manager could just hire more people, you know, we're in a global nursing shortage. What makes you think your manager can attract people any better than any, you know, anyone else in the world? So I think that they're really in this tough spot. And I think as a result, um, you know, their, their mentality has become on the whole, like just work harder, work harder, work harder, work longer, and I'll be successful. And I think that's a really, when I look at frontline managers and leaders, I really am scared for them. And um, concern for them because that's become the approach that somehow if I just keep going, um, you know, and, and work harder or, you know, that this is going to get better. And, and, and I certainly made that error as a, you know, as a young frontline manager, like I put in an insane number of hours. I just wanted my unit to be the greatest in the world. And so, um, you just never want to quit. And, and I loved it. I was totally passionate about it, but you have to, as a frontline leader, learn to set up boundaries and be reminded that this is a job. It's not your life. And you really get, have to get some clarity around that. I think if you're going to be very good uh, to be successful, not only in this job, but in your entire life. So uh, lots of people are, are leaning on you. And, um, you know, how do you find that balance? I think the discussion around boundaries is pretty critical and I'm going to come back to it, but I'm curious to know what was the turning point for you as a frontline leader around working those insane hours to recognizing that that is maybe not the right approach or maybe that's not the healthiest approach. Yeah. You know, um, I was single for a long time in my first few leadership roles. And so you know, there was nobody at home calling to say, like, are you ever coming back here? <laughs> or what's that, you know, or, or, you know, could see the state of my house. Um, but, you know, honestly, a couple, a few things sort of all coincided. But one was a friend and I started to read a book called How to Simplify Your Life at Work. And to give you sort of a, a picture of where we were at, we, um, one of the, one of the little quips, and you may have probably seen those little books, but uh, so they're just really short piece of advice, but was stop working weekends. And I remember her and I laughing, like, wasn't that funny? <laughs> um, and I remember us kind of 
being critical sometimes like do you see that manager like they're leaving before five o'clock like they're never going to get this job done mm -hmm. and you know that's just a really uh, bad approach and uh, I actually started dating the fellow who's now my husband and um, my weekdays were still a bit out of control but he lived out of town and so I would go to see him on weekends and you can believe it he didn't own a computer when I met him um, <laughs> and so I remember being at his house and doing things on weekends and thinking, boy, I could be on my computer right now. I could be getting stuff done. And it really forced me, you, you stop. And, yeah. and you started to have, you know, like this relationship and friendships and you started doing things and, and you really, it helps to put those boundaries on. So I think a really key piece for managers is, you know, to make sure you don't lose your life. So don't let this job become your life. I, I heard of a manager one time, and she, and this is a dated story because it's back from the 80s when you hear that she taught aerobics. But <laughs> that's, so that was in the 80s, so maybe you'll teach spinning or something now. But she actually signed up for it a couple days a week. And I think the class started, say, at 5 o'clock. And so, you know, 30, 40 people are standing in this class waiting for her. She's being paid to leave this group. She had to leave work at 4.15. And work ended at four. So this was an appropriate time to leave. And at least twice a week, it forced her out of the building. And she, you know, there was, there was no question she had to go. Uh, it also, you know, gave her an hour of exercise twice a week. So I think that, you know, frontline managers really need to, to, um, to set those boundaries for themselves. I, uh, a good friend of mine was working on a project, young mom, had young kids, and she, like this project was pressing and there was this deadline and she was just on the road. She was away from the home. She was working day and night on it. Uh, it was coming to the end. It was ready to be presented. It was this big important project. She had missed hockey games and Cub Scouts and all of the events for about six weeks. And just before they were to submit the proposal, uh, the government changed their mind and pulled the funding. Oh my. And I remember her saying to me, you know, I learned an important lesson that I, I sacrificed my family uh, for work. And, uh, you know, it was, that was just like how wrong that was. And it was a real eye-opening for her. And I think others of us, we have to, you know, we like to think we're different. That wouldn't happen to us, but why wouldn't it? it why couldn't it? And you mm -hmm. see it over and over. And uh, managers just really need, you really need to maintain perspective. These are jobs. They're not lives. Mm -hmm. um, it's not acceptable to work you know, nine, 10, 11, 12 hours a day um, and be away from your family. And why would you volunteer that much time? Like you're just not getting paid for it. You're getting paid for eight hours a day. And um, and, and, and jobs will just continue to grow um, if, you, if you work them that long. So it is difficult. You do have to really prioritize. You have to be strategic. You have to, um, uh, you know, you can't waste a minute when you're at work, but you can... Um, get jobs down to that period of time that they need to be completed in and, and set those boundaries. I think from what I've heard from others um, and the people that I work with, I think often there is a struggle around how to prioritize because in the moment, often everything seems important um, and everyone needs something. So what would you offer as ideas around how do you decide what to focus on and what to maybe let go or push to the side? Yeah, I, oh, you could talk for days on this, but <laughs> I, think 
the simplest ways I think to think about it is, and, and many of you will have seen the the grid where you know the quadrants where you know you you plot something. So is it you know not important, not urgent? Obviously, that's easy. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. You know, it's it's important. It's urgent. Someone needs you know CPR. Well, you should do that. The the tough ones are the um, ones that are sort of uh, in the other two categories where. Um, they may be important, but not urgent, or urgent, not important. And those are the ones that I think are where people really struggle. And I think to also put, like, where is your family? Where is that priority? Mm-hmm. And where's your life? Um, you know, where do, where do you fit in and where does that come from? And so I found in frontline leadership, I think there was a few things. Um, one was, you know, what could somebody else do for you? And so anything you can get someone else to do you should and sometimes you think oh, it's just easier for me to do it yourself myself but it's not maybe this time it's going to take me a little bit longer but next time when i hand this off to somebody they're going to be better at it and faster and it's going to come off my plate i think you sometimes need to lower your expectations not everything has to be done to your crazy high standard um okay can be good enough many many times and you've got to get you know comfortable with that so I think, you know, delegate, um, you know, wherever you can. And I think another thing that I've seen frontline managers do, and, and I've certainly done, and I still have to be cautious of it, is uh, triangulation. And so, you know, somebody comes to you and they're, you know, they they uh, have this big problem. And next thing you know, it's your big problem. And you feel <laughs> and, um and if you're a leader and you like to solve problems, this can be a real tough one. But to really um, push that back on people to say, yeah, you know, I can see this is a big problem and I can see where you're, you know, interested in it. And I am. And, you know, this might be an avenue you want to take. And and if they try to pass it off to you, you really do have to pass it back. And it's like, you know what, this is your thing. And, and I think particularly for frontline managers, and, and you'll hear staff say this, well, I told my manager. So as if, if I go into my manager's office and dump this on their desk, then suddenly it's not mine anymore. And managers have to be very careful um, to make sure it goes back and, and, you know, to support people. And this has happened to me even now in this new role. And I had some people get a hold of me and they wanted to talk to me about something they're working on and it's good work and it, it's a good cause, but it's not our cause. It's not something the AAN would get involved in. And as much as you wanted to sort of get in there and organize them and help them and set them up for success, um, you know, I had to give them just some advice and wish them well. I, we can't go there. And uh, I think, you know, 20 years ago, boy, I'd have just taken that on and been organizing it off the side of my desk and Mm-hmm. Um, you really do have to set boundaries and, and you really do have to decide, you know, what's important and what's urgent. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting point um, about the triangulation um, and also how priorities fit within that. Uh, I think it's very easy for us to either get excited about something or recognize the efforts of others and get pulled into that um, or recognize the importance of it to others and get pulled into it. One of the things I wonder about is what you see as some of the reasons why nurses and arguably other healthcare professionals fall into this trap of trying to just do more. 
Yeah, I think that that's, um, I think that's tough. I think, you know, I think it's multifactorial. Again, I, I mean, I think one thing can be that those of us who come into nursing, by and large, have sort of that same, we want to help other people mm -hmm. approach. And so, um, you know, we want this to go well. Um, we're, we're fairly driven. Uh, people go particularly step up and say, or step out, I don't know if it's up or out, but hey, I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to go into this role. I'm going to take this on. Um, you know, you really want to see improvements. Uh, I think we're all, most of us are a little bit competitive as well. So we want our units to be as good or better than yours. Um, I want to be the unit that everybody wants to come work to. I want to be, you know, I want my bosses to look down and, you know, shout great words of praise. And um, so I think there's, there's some of that. And, and that's not all bad. I, I say it a little bit sarcastically, but um, those are good things that drive us to great success in healthcare. But I think, too, uh, in some organizations, you know, the culture has become, you know, work longer and stay later and do more and um, that there's a badge of honor for, you know, coming in on your weekend or dropping all of your plans and and coming in. And, and, and you know, you've got to get OK with that not being OK. Mm -hmm. And there will always be people who will do that. And, and you really have to make that choice. And, you know, I, I've been in the game a long time and, um, you know, I've seen I've seen some tough stuff. And I I can you know, I can promise you that at the end of the road, there's not this great, you know, reward uh, over and above what you're getting every day. And so you got to make sure that, you know, what's rewarding you every day is the important stuff. So work is important, but so are so many other things, your friends and your family. And, um, you know, those are really important balls to keep in the air. And so you really do have to come to that balance. I suppose for most leaders, we have to learn that one little word, no. <laughs> yes. And be okay with it. Um, and I think if more people said that, um, you know, there would start to be a bit of a recognition that, Likely we need a few more frontline uh, nurse leaders. Likely the jobs are too big and we need some more support there. But I think you can do a good job um, I, within defined limits. And I think that, you know, in my career, that's really um, where I got to that. Um, I would give a little bit uh, extra in terms of time, but I really worked hard towards efficiency. I, um, got comfortable with giving other people an opportunity to try something new. I got comfortable with uh, maybe then, you know, when I've asked someone to do a, a job, it may not be exactly as I want it done, but that's okay. It can still be really good, even if it's not exactly the Kathy Howe way. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and then, you know, being comfortable in that balance. And the other thing I always try to do and have been careful about is really checking with myself. If I'm staying late tonight, I'm putting in a couple hours. Am I okay with is this is this okay and not doing it because uh, I felt I had to and there was no choice but because and I'm good with that and so really being careful with those hours that we donate that those are those are good with us and they're not um, you know infringing on our lives or affecting our family and and they really you know bring us you know that satisfaction so I, I've just seen so many managers um, put in so much time and um and not be rewarded for it. And so if that's what you're working towards or some kind of recognition, uh, it may not be there. So you've got to make sure, you know, you're good with the, with the extra that you're putting in. 
I sometimes wonder if one of the challenges uh, nurses and healthcare professionals in general face with saying no is potentially the guilt that comes with that. I'm curious to hear what you think about that. Yeah, you know, I think you've nailed it. Uh, I think that's really one of our problems. Saying no is easy. Saying no and not feeling guilty about it is the other thing. And, you know, one of the things I've often coached leaders on is, you know, if you stay late tonight, make sure you leave early tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Or maybe on Friday afternoon, you leave early and, you know, book yourself a tea time and go golfing. But for me, it was I was being okay with that. Like you'd almost be explaining it away and why am I leaving an hour early and what am I? And um, and so, yeah, the, dealing with that guilt is, is it's, you know, it's a, it's a big part of it and to be okay with it. And, and you do really have to work on it. I think um, things that can help, I think, you know, if you can get yourself a support group, uh, if you can find other managers, uh, you know, colleagues who you can coffee with and you often think, oh, I'm too busy, but it's a really important part of what you do so that you can, you know, strategize together and work together and support each other uh, to make, you know, having boundaries and uh, be okay. Uh, I think, I think for a lot of young managers, I think having a coach, having a men, you know, a formal mentor, a leader is really critical. And I, I think that's really oftentimes going to be left up to the frontline manager, but I think that can really help them to be successful and, you know, um, somebody who's objective and has good perspective and is, you know, apart from the situation who can really give sage advice and really help point that manager and get them going on the right on the right foot. And and starting out with really good habits and behaviors is much easier than trying to change them a few years in. So yeah. and I think sometimes as nurses, we're a little bit slow to ask for help. Mm -hmm. um, that, I think, can be really powerful. Uh, for for new leaders to really make sure they're being mentored uh, and led, you know, appropriately to really help them get set up on the right on the right step. I think on the right foot. That really helps. I think people as they go forward to be successful. Yeah, I would agree, and I so appreciate you talking about getting the support that is needed to either establish these habits early on, or if need be, maybe revise your way of practice and your habits. Uh, if you're maybe further along in your career and find that setting boundaries is very difficult. Um, obviously I'm, I'm, I believe everyone should have a coach and I'm biased obviously, cause I am a coach. Um, but I think, you know, there's, such a critical importance to having someone be in your court and be invested in you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and I wish I maybe if I have a regret, but is you know maybe I should have had a coach earlier. But I, you know I got um, probably hooked up with a coach and worked with her for about a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know it was it was. Uh, so good for me uh you know it took me a long time to say oh maybe I need help or maybe somebody mm -hmm. else to give advice but to have this objective person who um you know in a formal relationship who you're kind of you know giving permission to ask you the tough questions and and really allow you yourself to reflect and I think if we had those earlier on I I do really think that that's probably the best investment uh, a new leader could make is to invest in a coach. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things that has come up in our conversation a couple of times here is that culture of working late, putting in more hours, donating hours, time, energy, and effort. And I'm wondering over your years as a nurse and a frontline leader, have you seen a shift away from that's the way it should be to we need to take care of ourselves better and we need to take care of our managers better and our leaders better? What do you see happening in that space? Yeah, I think um, I think maybe we're even getting worse at it. Okay, I think we're talking about it. Yeah, um, I think that when you talk to though, we talk about burnout and stuff. We're often talking about frontline staff, and I think that especially some of our larger organizations, that's what they're really focused on. And I think you know I'll, this is my personal opinion, but I think that you know frontline managers really haven't been given the respect that they deserve, and. Um, that's in terms of educational supports, uh, pay raises, you know, recognition. And so I think where managers really need to give themselves permission is to say, boy, gosh, would I be doing this in any other job without these things? And giving themselves permission to um, maybe move to places where that is possible. Like you don't have to be a martyr. You don't have to stay where you are and do what you're doing with unrealistic expectations, low pay, long hours. Mm-hmm. I that it's it that doesn't happen in every organization. And um, managers have to, you know, I think see the light at the end of the tunnel as well. And so can you make this good for you or do you need to make it good somewhere else? And I think that's an okay question to ask. And um, I I think one of the things we're seeing is a lot of people of this younger generation are not going into these leadership roles. And, you know, when you ask them, hey, we got this great opportunity. What do you think? Like, are you crazy? And I think for those of us who've been in the game a while, there's a lot to learn from them. They are um, very smart. They're very creative. They're very good uh, at what they do, but they have such better boundaries than um, we do. Uh, They have such better perspective, I think. And I think we have a lot to learn from that generation. And I think we're going to have to really sit up and pay attention and when or if they start to enter into these leadership roles, I think they're going to make a change for us. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, in the meantime, we've got to, we really do have to take care of ourselves and we really do have to set, you know, boundaries for ourselves um, Mm -hmm. and, and in what we're doing. And only one person can do that. And it's not going to be your boss and it's not going to be the organization that has to only you can manage you. And so you have to make those good decisions unapologetically. You have to own it, right? You got to own it and, mm-hmm. and believe it, right? Um, for sure. And yeah, and and you can be a great leader with great success and have uh, a wonderful career and, um, and see great things happen um, to the people you lead and to your colleagues and but not not be at work, you know, 12, 14 hours a day weekends and, and, you know, having people calling you at home after hours and um, absolutely it's possible, but it's, it's hard work and, and you really need that mindset to do it. But I would, and I would just so encourage young, young uh, managers and, and leaders to, to really um, sort of, you know, take a hard look at themselves and, 
and and their life and and where they're going and really determine now what what's this going to cost me what am i willing to pay for this because otherwise you you've sort of you know come come to about 10 years later and it's too late your kids are growing and um things have passed you and i you know we talk about frontline nurses and about setting boundaries for themselves around picking up too many shifts or you know and, and really taking care of themselves and boy that's just got to really ring ring through right through to uh, frontline leaders well said thank you so much kathy for sharing your experiences and your wisdom and for for sharing this message around setting boundaries um but also the pieces that need to come with that and you know one of the things you said that really stood out to me is that this is a change that only you can make Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being here thank you so much i've really enjoyed our time together thanks so much for joining us today at central line leadership and healthcare also if you liked what you heard please head on over to apple Podcasts to leave us a review be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode Also, if you'd like to learn more about our host, Leah Woodchick, check out talltreesleadership.com.